Recording live from the Lucky Number 7 Lounge in the basement of Dine, Drink, Travel World Headquarters in the barren wastelands of far west Texas, this is Dine, Drink, Vegas, the podcast by and for everybody stuck at home and wishing they were in the land of neon lights and bad decisions. I'm your host, John, also known as the Baller on a Budget, and in this episode, we're going to see what went down in Nacho Gate. We're going to talk about the giant poop emoji on the middle of the Vegas Strip and how Caesars is maybe uh, pooping things up for Super Bowl party goers. And of course, we're going to tell you about our drink of the day. But before we can do any of that, we have to introduce the founder of Dine Drink Travel, the high roller of the high plains, the leader in the luxury lounge, the king of comps. The man who is always waiting for the limo to take him away to that resort. It's Bill. Good evening, Bill. Good evening, John. How are you? I am doing excellent. Cool. So tell me a little bit more about what we're drinking, because I've tasted it. It tastes pretty good, but it's this weird, angry color. So, yeah, so this drink is a derivative of the uh, Angostura-based uh, Trinidad Sour, which we, we, we've taken a run at before, and it was we didn't get it quite right, but the Angostura is very intense. You basically have two ounces of Angostura as the base spirit in a cocktail. So the origin of this drink actually comes from YouTube. Uh, there's a YouTube channel called How to Drink. The host name is Greg, and he made a video, I want to say a year or two now, about bar tools that he likes. And I had seen the video when it first came out. Well, I took a Saturday afternoon nap, and when I woke up, uh, I fell asleep with YouTube rolling, and it just went back through my history. And he uh, he was doing that episode, and in the beginning of the episode, he literally walks on to set and says, you know, before I do this, I need to drink. And he invents this drink on the fly, and it's somewhere between the Trinidad Sour and another drink called The Last Word, which also features a heavy pour of Angostura. This one is called the Bourbonista, and as far as I know, the only place you can find this drink is on the um, on the How to Drink YouTube channel from Greg. There's a subreddit in this where, podcast. Yeah, there's a subreddit where this thing lives, and now Dine Drink Vegas, and Greg doesn't know we exist. So if any of our five fans happen to have a line into how to drink uh to help help us give them a shout out but here's how this drink works so in your cocktail shaker uh per drink you're going to go with uh one ounce more or less of lime juice you do need to reserve a a uh, lime wheel out of your lime to do this uh an ounce and a half of bourbon in the video, he uses uh, David McKenna. He said this is not something you would want to use a high-end bourbon for because Angostura is such a strong flavor. And I think he's right. This is a job for uh, this is a job for sub twenty-five dollar bottles. As it happens, you happen to have what on hand? So we used Old Granddad Bonded today, which and the liquor prices here in our little town are obscenely high. But even here. This costs 22 bucks, and it's a phenomenal deal. It's not that it's the best whiskey in the world, but it's my standard mixing whiskey now. Yeah, it, Old Granddad is the king of the bottom shelf, whether you go with the regular 80 proof, the bonded, which we're doing today, which is 100 proof, which is stronger than what he used in the video because he used Henry McKenna, which is 80 proof. And then they also have Old Granddad 114, which is intense and also would have been good in this, come to think of it. So, and, and I am glad we used something a little bit higher proof in this because I don't like the Angostura bitters as much as you do. And I think using something a little bit higher proof helped. I mean, you can still taste the Angostura, but it helped tame that out. Yeah. Similarly, like I'm usually a wheated bourbon kind of guy, but I like a little bit of a higher rye bourbon like this again 
to kind of do some combat with those bitters. Yeah. So let's go back through the ingredient list and get through there. So we've got an ounce of lime juice, an ounce and a half of bourbon, half an ounce of Angostura bitters. Uh, and, and I guess you could do it with some other bitters, but I, I like Angostura. Half ounce of maraschino liqueur, which is which is part of your sweetener for this, and a half ounce of simple syrup. Uh, and then you're going to shake that like it owes you money. But before you put it into your coupe glass or your martini glass, you, you probably want a nice stemmed cocktail glass for this. You're going to rinse that glass with absinthe, which you had your first experience with absinthe. I, my first in a while. Uh, and you don't detect much of it in this drink at all because it's just a rinse through the glass. But we took a little sip. What do you think? Uh, I think I'm glad that we only rinsed it. That is the first and last time I will ever actually sip absinthe. It tastes like licorice, right? Like it reminded me of the summer of 1996 when I was in Germany and there was a Greek bartender who forced me to drink a lot of ouzo and it wasn't good and whatever. No, thank you. Yeah, and and, and I, um, I, I like black licorice, so not surprisingly, I enjoy absinthe and I think I could sip that on the rocks. Um, Bless your heart. You go for it. But yeah, this now we made a drink a few episodes ago similar to this where we used apple brandy and we did not have maraschino liqueur on that. I do wonder if we went back and we just did this recipe with the Laird's apple brandy or apple jack again. And then I also wonder as we sip it how this would be with a nice aged rum because after all, Angostura is a Caribbean product. And we've got lime juice in here. Am I crazy for thinking that this would be maybe instead of a bourbonista, which I think is a great name, that maybe we need the rumista? What do you think? So I think the rumista would be good, but I can't help but think about the fact it is January the 27th right now. We're in what amounts to winter right here. And to me, the Laird's Applejack seems like the better mixer for the time of year we're in. Um. It feels more like summer to me if you were to make it with rum. Now, what kind of rum would you use? You're using an aged rum or you using a clear rum? What are you doing? Oh, I, I think definitely aged because, I mean, with the with the bourbon and the brandy versions of this, I like that aged character. I think an aged spirit would, would be on order. Uh, <clears throat> maybe, you know, maybe a Florida, you know, not the 18-year-old, but maybe like Florida Kanye 12 would, yeah. wouldn't be out of line for this. No, I think, and that's just a lovely rum anyway. So, no, I would absolutely give that a shot. And I'm guessing on a future episode, we wind up doing that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we definitely will. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's start jumping into news. And this episode is mostly news-driven because it's been a very newsy week in Vegas. If you are on Twitter or X or whatever Elon is calling his latest uh, uh, tax write-off this year, uh, you have seen this story. So there's a um, Twitter using uh, MU Tiger Mike, I assume that has to do with the Missouri Tigers, uh, complained on social media about Fountain Blues uh, Sports Tavern taking an entire hour to get his $24 plate of nachos out. And Bill, how would you describe the picture of the nachos Fountain Blue was rolling out? I would describe it as what I ordered at a fast food Mexican place behind the pine tree curtain of deep east texas in 1979 when i ordered off the kids menu yeah it was i i think six little hunks of tostada with a few things daintily atop them like even at vegas prices that was obscene because their food costs there had to have been 50 cents maybe yeah right like it's that was absolutely nuts and it was a failure all around it 
both for the price and for the time. Like, how long does it take to put beans and cheese on six tortilla chips? Well, and not only that, I mean, the social media storm that followed and Fountain Blues communications staff put together a pretty clumsy apology tweet in the short run. Every other restaurant in town immediately posted pictures and prices of their nachos to prove that uh, you can get better nachos pretty much anywhere else. And all of this culminated with Fountain Blue introducing a revised version of their nacho dish, which still looks a little small for 24 bucks, but is at least in the realm of, I you get You can that. argue it's really yeah, nice. I, yeah, So okay. I'm not going to lie. This seems like a dumb enough move to me that... I'm almost starting to rethink my plans for it. And we'll talk about our, our upcoming trips later on, but I've got a trip planned to the Fountain Blue in March. And it was going to be one of those things where I stayed on the property for 24 hours. But if that's the sort of thing they serve, I'm, I'm, I'm still going to go, but man, I just became a lot less interested. Right? Like that's, yeah, it's not a good deal. And you paused for a comment while I was sipping. I know it's all good. Right. Um, that's not a good deal, and that combined with it, they're now up to four different senior executives who've been fired. Man, it doesn't feel to me like a group that's got their business together yet. I, I feel like the thing that Fountain Blue has done best since their opening is to give social media people an endless amount of potential content, and uh, for that we thank you. Uh, but yeah, I this is a place I have wanted to to visit since I saw it as a windowless shell on the north end of the strip uh, back when they still were pretending it was going to open as the Drew. Um, And I think I still want to stay there at some point. Like when I can work it out, uh, I'm not doing that on my March trip just because with the guys I'm going to be traveling with. And, you know, I I just don't think that's the trip for that. I still want to spend a night in that property. But I got to say, I'm not as excited as I was a year ago. No, well, and particularly not when there are other attractive options up on the North Strip. Like, I love Resorts World. It's great. So I'm still going to go to the Fountain Blue. Maybe maybe they've gotten over some of their, their hiccups from getting started up. Yeah, and, and I don't know. it. Once you break your culture that bad, because I think with this many senior executives leaving and things like that, and once you mess your culture up that bad, it's going to take a while to fix. So I'm rooting for them. You know, hang in there, Blue, but uh, yeah, I have reservations, and that's why I don't have reservations. <laughs> well, John, what else is going on in Vegas? What what has been happening with the, the theoretical move that the Oakland A's are making to town? So, fieldofschemes.com, which is a website I didn't even know about until Vital Vegas uh, mentioned them in a tweet, and they, they have a lot of content, not just about this debacle for the A's, but... Uh, bad stadium deals in multiple sports. So it's a, it's now one of my favorite blogs. The A's site will not hold the originally planned retractable roof. And um, that means if they want a retractable roof, they can't build a Tropicana. And if they build a Tropicana, they're going to have to go for a different stadium design. And that raises a bunch of questions. So and on, I can ba- see you have a few. Yeah, let's back up. So here's what I understand it to be. They could build the retractable roof. They just can't do that and rebuild the Tropicana, right? Like it's one or the other on those nine acres, right? But the arrangement they had was that there would be a casino resort with the stadium on on site. So uh, something's got to give. Something does have to give. Well, and the problem is that they've got several other problems with um, this construction and just like getting the moves done. For one thing, 
the several hundred million dollars that the Nevada legislature voted for this is specifically tied to that location. Yeah, almost a half billion. It was a big chunk of change. Yeah, so it, they they either have to figure out a way to make that site work, or alternatively, they have to um, go somewhere else and then give up the money from the legislature and hope they can convince the legislature to vote for it a second time, which can be really, really hard given the opposition of the teachers' unions and other groups. So that's going to be rough. One of the things which is making it harder is, like in theory, you can make the Tropicana's hotel footprint smaller and just build up, but you can't do that at that location because it's right there by the airport and they're height-restricted, right? So they can't do that. You've also got the problem of John Fisher and the A's have to have a billion dollars in their own financing. They still haven't explained where that money is yet. And they've got... Yeah, a couple other problems, right? Like there was a, a a luncheon at the Las Vegas Chamber of Commerce this weekend, and normally this, or rather on Wednesday, normally these would be the guys who are super sports boosters. They would be normally the ones who are buying your season ticket packages and all that sort of stuff. And it was essentially a pep rally for the A's. Everybody's like, yeah, fine, right, whatever. Like there wasn't really any sense of enthusiasm in the room. But before you get to that, because even in the best case scenario, this new stadium is not going to be ready until 2028. 2024, as we've talked about several times before on this podcast, is the last year that the A's can play in Oakland before their their lease expires. The mayor of Oakland held a press conference this week, which essentially wished them good riddance, right? So like that bridge is thoroughly burned. We still don't know where they're playing in 2025. For a long time, the assumption had been that they were going to share space with the Las Vegas Aviators, their AAA team. But we read reports about them, you know, touring minor league stadiums in the San Francisco Bay, there's one report of them touring a minor league stadium in, in Salt Lake City. So it's, man, the A's on public appearance seem somehow to be running their business even worse than the Fountain Blue is running theirs. Yeah, and that's pretty remarkable. But then the other party that we we, we haven't focused on because the A's bad management, you know, uh, they do suck up all the oxygen in the room because they suck. Uh, but Bally's incorporated. So, uh, remember that, that Bally's, which is now the horseshoe was not owned by Bally's, the company, it was owned by Caesars. The actual Bally's gambling corporation owned and operated the Tropicana. They have already announced the closure of the Trop. Their staff have already started looking for other jobs. That's going to be a bell that's very hard to unring. They've also, not been really maintaining a property that was already in need of some serious overhaul and maintenance before all this happened. Yeah, it needed overhaul 10 years ago. Yeah, and their company is sort of on life support. So if this deal falls through, and let's say the A's don't build on that site, and we'll talk about where else they might build in a second, so hold that. If you're Bally's, what in the world are you going to do with the TROP? Because... You know, with Casino Royale and the Best Western slated to close, you do not want to get the and the and the travel lodge already bulldozed. You don't want to be the dumpiest property on the strip. And I don't see how they avoid that fate, because I don't think they have the cash to remodel. So at some point, and I don't think we're there that yet, but there's gonna come a point where the thing which is in Bally's best financial interest is to simply sell the dirt underneath it. Because somebody can use those nine acres. Um, and to be clear, what I'm about to say, I am totally hypothesizing, right? I have right. zero source and in information or anything like that. 
but I could imagine a world where, let's say, MGM buys that from them, uses the whole nine acres to build the stadium and just has their fans walk across the street or something like that. Or some I, Tillman Furtada makes that his home on the strip or whatever. Well, except Tillman's already broken ground just a, a couple blocks up. Sure. But the yeah, old whatever. So, he, he builds a second spot. Whatever, right. right? Like that, that, I guess the fundamental point is that land can be used for something. And if Bally doesn't have the cash to renovate their hotel, and if this deal isn't going to work, then at some point you just sell the dirt. So I got to say, and I don't think this is likely at all, but I, I, I kind of love to play, play pretend. Given that MGM still owns the perfectly good brand name of the Mirage, and given that they already own the other three corners, it might be nice to see a new casino with the name Mirage on it and uh, maybe a modernized volcano out in front. But you know, there, we don't have any sources on that. That's just me playing pretend. And speaking of speculation, I want to move on to our next story. And I had this further down the run sheet, and I just moved it during this conversation. One of the potential locations that people are bringing back up, and again, it's purely speculation, is that that lot that is owned by Rio between Rio and Caesars. And if you think about putting a baseball stadium there and, and, and Caesars is absolutely going to want a skywalk to that stadium. But if you have a skywalk from Caesars to that stadium and that stadium backs up to Rio, you have effectively given pedestrians a really nice, easy way to get from Rio to the Strip multiple outlets have covered many aspects of the rio slow but steady reemergence. their buffet is going to turn into a food court some of those places i believe like the burger place i think is already open some of the rooms are starting to get not just light refreshes i mean they are going in there and they are kicking the 90s vibe out they are redoing that vital vegas and a few other people online had the lighting test so they're trying to bring the exterior lighting back up to its former glory um I never got to go to Vegas when the Rio was the Rio, but it occupied, you know, as a late, you know, late in my teens and early in my twenties who fantasized about getting to go party in Vegas in my prime party years. I got to tell you, that's where I wanted to be. Are you getting any more excited about what's happening with Rio? So if you've got a walkway from the Rio to the strip, particularly if that walkway has a, a stadium in between, then I would get excited. One of the things one of the things which makes a Vegas trip for me though is I never spend the whole time in any one resort or any one property. I, mean, I may spend the bulk of my time there, but I will always go to the hotel next door, the hotel two properties over or whatever, which means the last time I was in the Rio was probably 15 years ago now when I stopped in for the buffet. Um, I don't stay at the Rio because you can't get from there to anywhere else without a cab ride. Like particularly given the number of my trips, which happen during the summer when I'm not walking two miles of interstate, like that's not a thing. Well, I, I so, suppose you could play Frogger and get over to the Palms through, you know, just avoid the cars and a few dodgy locals. Yeah, maybe. But so right now I'm not excited about the Rio renovations because it's not close enough to anything else. If the stadium moves there and if you've got a walkway all the way into Caesars, then, um, yeah, no, that becomes a much more live option. Yeah, I, I agree. But I think just because of it's weird to be nostalgic for someplace I never went. But just because of the space the Rio occupied in my brain. Sure. Whether or not space. that stadium's there, 
when they've got that thing remodeled, I'm there. I'm going, whether or not the walkway's there, you know, and maybe I do the thing where I spend one night at the Rio and then I go spend two nights somewhere on the strip or downtown, you know, cause you do that kind of thing. You swap hotels. Maybe I just pull a page out of your book, but you know, I don't know that I do three nights there, but yeah, I'm going to go check that out when they get it done. I will be curious to hear what you have to say. So speaking of the Rio potentially connecting to Caesars, it sounds like Caesars has been doing some ugly, ugly stuff. Tell me, tell me what you're reading. So Vegas Starfish uh, broke the story on Twitter and I assume Instagram because she's on Instagram, but I'm not. That uh, multiple guests have reported that Caesars has uh, canceled reservations in their better property, Caesars Palace and some of the suites there and, and even the Cromwell. And then when customers complained about the cancellation, offered them to be booked at places like Flamingo that are cheaper properties, but at a now inflated rate. Uh, And that, you know, back when I did the pool thing this summer for July 4th, they sort of tried to pull this on me. They canceled my pool reservation for the night of July 4th. And then for about a week... The price went up online and then it dropped down because nobody was booking it. And then I got an apology and I was offered to get it back for what I had originally agreed to, which I took because I wanted the experience. And if you didn't hear that podcast, that was my number one experience for last year. Um, I've seen them flirt with this before. So I I got to say, I, I buy this story and, and I think it's pretty awful. So. I would need to know more about Nevada law to answer the question I'm about to ask, but I am deeply curious about whether or not that's even legal because one, as a general rule, okay, so at a bare minimum, most hotels, most other places in the U.S., if for whatever reason they can't honor a reservation, then they commit, then the hotel commits to you know getting you somewhere else. And as a general rule, that commitment involves a hotel of similar, you know, um, quality. Yeah. But that's for something like, you know, uncontrollable or marginal overbookings or something like that. And that's not what happened here. It sounds like they just, they, they didn't like the deal they made. So they canceled it. And I'm, it, I would be curious to know what contract law has to say about what your reservation actually means, particularly if somebody had already put down a deposit or prepaid or had some skin in the game. Absolutely. And the other thing that I, you know, I suppose they could just say, Hey, it was a computer glitch. And then now it's backfilled and I'm sure they have ways to dodge that. Uh, but yeah, it does stink. And I, I do hope, and I haven't followed up. So it, it is possible they've made that right in the meantime, but uh, that is not a, a user-friendly feature for the Caesars booking experience. I do want to point out with this particular story that Jen, uh, that is the first name of the artist known as Vegas Starfish, she's not without controversy. Now, Bill, do you follow her at all? I do not. So she posts a lot of really good content, and she has gotten a massive following. Apparently, she broke out big on Instagram, and when she also launched into Twitter Xville, she picked her following came with her. Um, she immediately caught hate by the Vegas trolls. And there are trolls out there that if you are popular on the Vegas scene, they will come at you. And that's how I'll know if we've made it. I I will be thrilled when we have trolls. If some of these trolls come at us the way they go at Scott from Vital Vegas or the way they go at Jen or the way they go at some of the other people out there, if they ever come at us that way, we have finally made it. That that we will finally be small fish in the pond because right now I'm not even sure we're plankton, but we're we're plucky and we're trying. Yeah, Come, Um, Come at us. 
But some of her critics are people I do respect. Uh, there was a dust up when uh, some of her content about lip smacking and finger licking foodie tours. That's the same company. One half does guided tours. The other does self-guided tours. Um, some of her posts were extremely similar to the company's own post. So there were accusations of plagiarism. Then there were accusations that she was getting paid off without disclosing, which would be a violation of the law. But it turns out there she's been friends with the owners forever. And I, I one... I've been on one of those foodie tours. It was a phenomenal experience, the buying and everything. So everything she said about the tours to me rang true because I've been on it. Number two, I don't think there's anything unethical about two friends promoting one another. And I get it. If you, if you prove there was some payola and there was no disclosure, I could get that. But I'm not bothered by one friend promoting another's business and nothing she said was untrue. The same thing here. She's getting accused because she's dating a um, poker pit boss, apparently, at one of the MGM properties. And so some people accused her of uh, running with this story because it made MGM's competitors look bad. Oh, good grief. Yeah, that seems crazy to me because, look, uh, anybody that lives in Vegas and is, is an influencer with connections, they're going to make friends with people in the industry. Yeah, and that might even are. include dating. If you and I moved out there, I'm not going to date anybody in Vegas because my wife gets really upset if I try to date people. But I will make friends with anybody in any resort I can. And of course, I'm going to use that to get information because why wouldn't you? So there, uh, Well, and then the smart resorts would use that to shovel out information, right? right? Yeah, which yeah. a lot of the influencers do exactly that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I did think it was interesting that there was almost as much controversy of her for covering it. And some people seemed madder at her for covering it than at Caesars for doing it. And that, look, again, some of her critics are people I follow and respect. She and, uh, you know, Karen from 360 Vegas didn't see eye to eye and all of that. I'm not going to get in between that, and I don't like it when you know people I like argue with each other. I, I, I'm not going to quit following her. I don't see any reason for me. Like she puts up good content, and nothing she posted was a lie. So I'm no, not. Bit, no, I'm, that, I'm on her side. As long as the story is accurate, that's very much a story that needs yeah. to be told. Because that would absolutely drive my decision about things like where do I want to stay the next time I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, granted, if she does ever take a big fat check from one of the companies to promote their stuff, I hope she would disclose that. But nobody has shown that. There's no smoking gun. People, you know, allegations and whatever, but there's no evidence in my mind that she's done anything I wouldn't do in a similar situation. Maybe that makes me unethical too, but I don't I don't have a beef. Uh, speaking of beef, let's talk about our favorite Texas institution, even if they have since been bought by Chicago and Whataburger. Um, at Las Vegas Locally, says they're opening a strip location February 28th. Do you know where that's going to be exactly? So, yeah, that's going to be basically in that Waldorf Astoria area, I believe. No, there's going to be two on the strip. I think it's that one that's opening first. Uh, and we talked about this a few podcasts ago. I seem to recall you thinking this doesn't move the needle for you. No, but like it's not going to involve me, you know, change my decisions about where I plan to dine. It's not going to change my decisions about where I plan to stay. But, you know, inevitably when it's late at night, and I'm an old man, so late at night's now like nine or 10, but whatever. When it's late at night and I'm walking up and down the strip and I've got to have a snack, 
I will absolutely seek out the Whataburger because their burgers are good. Yeah, I, my general rule when I travel is I don't eat anything on the road that I can get at home. I don't understand people standing in line at Denny's in Vegas, right? You, you no. can get moons over Miami anywhere. That said, if I'm a little over Vegas and I can get a jalapeno cheddar sausage egg and cheese sandwich at one in the morning. Yes, please. Yeah, I'm doing that. No, um, yeah. Well, there are any number of mornings you wake up in Vegas, and if you can get like the jalapeno cheddar biscuits, and you get some sausage gravy with all that fat and salt and porkiness to it, like that will pull you through the first couple hours of your yeah. day. And weirdly, you know, since COVID, that end of the strip doesn't have a lot of really late night dining. When we went on the guys' trip over Labor Day, my flight got in late, and uh, our buddy Mike went with me. I was starving getting off the plane. It was only like 11 o'clock on a, on a holiday weekend. The only thing we could find open, I guess it was 1130, the only thing we could find open for a quick bite. Some of the bars were still open, of course, and though, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to go into a loud club and, and pay $45 for a burger and $15 for uh, well vodka. I just wanted a bite. That's all I wanted. Right. Um, the only thing we could find open was Subway, of all things. It's really weird to me how few late night options there are on that end of the strip, because uh, some of that just hasn't come back from COVID. No, and that is super sad, right? Like I, and I get it, right? The evolution of Vegas over the course of the last decade or so, and I get it that the two ninety nine buffets are never coming back. And frankly, I'm not sure I want them to. I think we've lost too much of what Vegas used to be because, yeah, you should be able to get a snack late at night. Like, I don't understand how the casino bosses aren't driving more of that because if it's 11 o'clock and I'm hungry and I've got to find, spend an hour and a half to find a burger, right? I may never come back to the table or else I'm going to be in a better frame of mind when I do. And that's that, that's not in the casino's interest. So, yeah, that... That really surprises me very much. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that that right now downtown's doing better than the Strip is there are all kinds of greasy, regrettable, wonderful, bad life decision food options for you. Yeah, like how many twenty four pe- hours a day? How many pizza by the slice places are there just in downtown? So off the top of my head, you've got the three. You've on well, not downtown altogether, but along the Fremont Street experience, you've got the three good ones. Uh, pizza rock pop-up pizza evil pie and i would put those in that order although they're all good and i'll eat in any of them yeah i will go to whichever one of those i happen to be closest to and then you've got the one in the middle where there's the pizza shop taco shop combo and i've had a slice there in in any other town it would be an elite slice it's not bad i don't think it's as good as the other three no you you get the tacos yeah if you stumble in there get the taco salad pastor just skip the pizza well in downtown you've also got like the white castle yeah right so Whatever. You're correct. The Strip needs to do a better job of quick bites to eat, particularly late at night. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. So for that reason, uh, is good because they added in Chick-fil-A, but they're not even open on Sundays. And I'm sorry, Jesus Chicken, I love you. Maybe the Strip isn't for you. I, I, I Maybe... You know, well, maybe they could. Maybe they're they're catering to the crazy preacher guy who always stands there in the median. I just think it's really weird that that Chick Fil A is now open at Miracle Mile Planted Hollywood, like what twenty feet from where the bronze stripper butts used to be. That is just the weirdest. <laughs> Do you remember for years the bronze stripper butts were there, and now Jesus Chicken is there, and that is just such a weird turn of events that could only happen in Vegas. Vegas is the holodeck, and it is whatever you want it to be. 
But one thing I don't want it to be, I don't want to lose some of the glorious features which have been in front of hotels for a long time. And I certainly don't want Vegas to be a place where I don't know you're walking down the strip and all of a sudden you see just a giant pile of poop. But that's never going to happen, is it, John? Uh, well, it, it's happened a few times. There was a homeless guy with a bottle of vodka. But if you're talking <laughs> about the Mirage Volcano, yeah, Scott from Vital Vegas said this months ago that this is what it was going to look like. And then he tweeted out pictures. I've got one on the run sheet for I you. Think that's gonna be, I think that's going to be our cover art for this yeah, episode, that, right? Is a giant poop emoji. It, it, yeah, or, or a, a Hershey's Kiss that's been in your grandma's purse since the Reagan years and it's just melted and rotted away. That That... Like I, I, I'm not clutching my pearls that the the Mirage volcano is going away. I'm going to miss it, but Vegas is about change. Tearing down the volcanoes, one thing. This, I just talked about Jesus chicken and bronze stripper butts, but this is sacrilegious, Bill. This is a sacrilege. To just let the volcano die a respectful death. Don't do this to it. Yeah, like, what? what is the point? Okay, so theoretically, this is supposed to be a mountain. What is the point of the mountain supposed to be? So it it is the Paramount Mountain, which is also hilarious because Paramount is now up for sale. Uh, but yeah, because CBS Paramount uh, not doing so bueno in the money department, which this is a Vegas uh, blog, uh, Vegas podcast i've thought about starting a star trek podcast i am a hard core star trek fan and i am deeply worried that the sell of this company is going to hurt my nerdy 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 things yes live long and prosper um you know or die soon and suck it either way whatever we're going with um i don't i don't know what the vulcans say when they're really mad but uh i'm a fan of what paramount produces i am not a fan of this no that's you know what Bless our hearts. I'm I'm hoping that gets torn down soon. I'm actually intending to stay at the Mirage. <coughs> pardon me. In March, when I go, I'm going to spend a night in the Fountain Blue, then a couple nights in the Mirage to see kind of where it is. I'm hoping they've torn this thing down before I get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I should hope so. Now, what I do wonder is taking this apart the day the volcano goes. Is this the last hurrah of the volcano? Oh, that'd be cool, right? Like that would almost make this aesthetic mistake worth it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm on the fence about that. I think um, I think one last glorious eruption. And uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, that is what it is. Uh, I, I am looking forward to your update about what the mirage is like during this transition because apparently it's going to be at least a couple of years before it really is the hard rock. I'm yeah, like ex- them yeah. and the A's are competing for who can have the longest delay in realizing their original yeah. plans. And I'm excited about the hard rock, but yeah, I will miss the volcano. All right, so let's go on to some happier news. Uh, I know you're more a country guy than a rock and roll guy, uh, or maybe you're like the Osmond uh, family and you're a little bit country and a little bit rock and roll. But uh, Vegas' own The Killers are going to be playing at Caesars. Vital Vegas said that it's going to be eight shows in mid to late August, so... I'm hoping they extend to uh, Labor Day weekend because if there's a show over Labor Day weekend, I am buying tickets. You can go or not. I'm going to that thing. No, I'll go to uh, that show. Are you big on the Killers? I, I enjoy their music. Yeah. So my wife listens to them a lot. Thus, I listen to them, and thus it gets into like my YouTube music feed quite a bit. But no, I, I I enjoy the music. I will go to that show, 
as long as, you know, Caesars doesn't, I don't know, sell me a ticket, then revoke it and try to resell it to me <laughs> at a higher price later on. Not, not that that's a thing they do. No. No. But no, that's absolutely a thing I would do. By the way, they, they occasionally apparently do Sam, uh, shows at Sam's Town, which they have a song called Sam's Town. Huh. I think that would make me go spend a night or two at Sam's Town if I could catch the killers there. No, that would be, I think, amazing. Um, so one of the things, though, which concerns me in terms of places to stay. So you and I have both been MGM people for a long time. And we've complained before about how they've changed their reward structure but they're starting to do some stuff which is absolutely nuts with their resort fees. And before we get into the specifics here, I get it. There's stuff you want to pay for. But y'all, if it's a fee that you can't avoid paying, just make it part of the room rate. And in some cases, the resort fees that MGM is going to charge, they've announced sometimes higher than what the actual room rates are, which makes no sense in the world. So what do we know, John, about yeah. what MGM has announced about their, their resort fees? So again, these come from Scott over at Vital, Vital Vegas. Uh, I, I went back looking at news stories. I think he got it first. Uh, you know, the RJ had it a couple days later. I think he had it out there first. Um, Excalibur and Luxor, 37 a night. You can often get an Excalibur room for less than that. So, I, And let me be clear before I go through this whole list. I am not as mad about resort fees as some people. Like, I understand they're playing around with algorithms and they want to show low room rates and the resort fee lets them do that, yada, yada, yada. And, and when I book a hotel, like, I'm, I'm smart enough to, when it says it's this much a night plus fees and taxes... I click the info button and I, I look at those numbers and I make my decision that way. I, I, I think we're all adults here. I understand you might not be able to do that math once you get to Vegas. No, we, but the fact that we right. are adults, I don't know, that's the wrong question. Like, you've got an advanced degree. I don't think you ought to have to use it to book a hotel room in yeah, Vegas. But but even so, normally, like, it's a mild annoyance. I don't get... There's a lot of people that get worked up about this. I don't, it's annoying, but it just... Eh. But when the resort fees start to be higher than the room rates or when like, look, if it costs MGM X amount of dollars to run the pool and the Wi-Fi, make it a set resort fee every night in all of your properties, make it uniform and, and let it be what it what it is. But yeah, this this is a little the, but the this 30, is obnoxious. The thirty seven dollars for Excalibur and Luxor is the low end of it, right? Like going up from right. there, the New York, New York, and the Park MGM and the Signature are what forty two dollars. The Mandalay Bay and the Delano are forty five, and I love the Delano. Like the Delano is a phenomenal deal, but that's super annoying. But then the higher end properties, the Aria, the Vidara, the Bellagio, the MGM Grand, and I guess the Cosmo. They're going to charge $50 a night resort fees. And I get it. Those can be waived for like the high rollers and stuff like that. But for, but for those of us who just book our hotel rooms and go, that is absolutely insane. Like if I'm going on a four-night trip, that is $200 in resort fees, which makes it, it makes no sense, right? Just roll it all into the room rate if i got to pay it anyway. It's not an optional charge. Yeah, and I get that. Like I said, I, I normally don't get too worked up about it but yeah this it's obnoxious it's you know well and i mean it will keep going on until people quit booking 
in I don't know that every travel decision about going to Vegas is always fully rationally informed. That's true. Well, let's go from something expensive to something that I'm assuming is going to be very affordable. So our last story of the episode, the Las Vegas Sun reports that the uh, Las Vegas Thrill, a professional women's volleyball team, court not beach before you get too excited, will play their first game at the Dollar Loan Center, which I think is out in Henderson on February 15th. We we talk a fair bit about sports in Vegas. Uh, what would it take for you to go to one of these games, and do you think the sports books will have a line on it? I, I don't know. I mean, the sports books will have a line on it if it grows enough to have significant TV coverage. But really, the only time I ever watch volleyball is the Olympics, because that's the only time volleyball is ever on my TV. If I'm going to watch... So I watch my local teams, because they're my local teams. Like, we've got a minor league baseball team here that I love to watch. Um, Incidentally, the minor league affiliate of the A's. But... So I'll do stuff like that. But other than that, if I'm going to go to Vegas or if I'm going on a travel destination, I, I want to watch teams that I would normally see on TV. And you, you, you can't catch volleyball on TV. So, I mean, you know, if that's where the group is going, cool. I'm sure I'm sure they'll sell me a beer once I get to the game. But no, I'm not going to plan a trip around that. Yeah, and I think we could afford a beer at the Dollar Loan Center. I will say this. Um, I kind of would like to see a woman's professional sport league become a draw. And I get that the WNBA, like they're fundamentally sound players. I I just, I've tried, I can't get into it. I would love to see softball or volleyball catch on. Like I, I I like the softball game. I would go and watch. And here's why I would watch a softball game. Softball pitchers, the distance between the pitcher and home plate is the same distance it is for eight-year-olds playing Little League. But here's the difference. In softball, they take two or three steps forward and are throwing at something close to 100 miles an hour, which means the reaction time those batters have to connect with the ball in fast-pitch softball is is nothing. And then because you're playing on a Little League-sized field with that doesn't even have grass, right? It has dirt on it to make stuff go faster. Whatever. I think those softball players are some particularly exceptional athletes. So yeah. that's one I would actually go watch because that game is tough, man. Like the yeah. folks who play fast pitch softball, yeah, they, they, they scare me. Yeah, NCAA uh, women's softball to me is a better sport than NCAA men's baseball. Like I, if I, now I, I don't go out of my way to watch it, but if I, if I happen to be flipping through the channels and it's on and it's, a college that interests me at all. Yeah, I'm stopping to watch that game. They they it really to me, volleyball and softball are the women's sports that 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 I connect most with. I I and I think there's something unique about it. Um it is to, and I get men play volleyball, I get men play baseball, but like you said there's something about fast pitch softball that it's a worthy sport that I think can stand outside of baseball shadow. Both are great sports. I think there's a place for both. And I think volleyball is an area where even though men play it, that's a, that's a chance for women to shine. I kind of hope this catches on. But, and again, though, to my test from earlier, one of the reasons that I would go and watch a softball game in a way I probably wouldn't watch a volleyball game or at least make a point of doing it is I catch softball on my TV pretty regularly as if I'm scrolling through, particularly through the sports channels in, in May or, you know, whenever late spring, early summer, then it's a thing I'll see. So I will go watch that. But 
Speaking of what we do on our next trips, John, I know we both have trips planned in March. Let's start by talking about yours. What, who are you going with and what sorts of stuff do you have planned? So right now I'm going with uh, two buddies of mine from the other end of the state. Uh, we all grew, well, I grew up with, with one of these buddies uh, here in Midland, and then he's got a buddy from Angelo State, and, and now they all live out uh, in Grayson County, where uh, I actually lived for a while in my previous career. Uh, so yeah, we're going to go out there. Neither of these guys are big drinkers at this stage in their life. Uh, they've had some health issues because you know we're, we're old men now. So I think we're mostly going for the food. Uh, one of my buddies has been to Vegas twice, but he's never done the big buffet. So I think our, our, our showcase meal is going to be a buffet. There will be a steakhouse. We may or may not hook up with the guys you're going with that we'll get to in a minute. So, and I know you've got some things to say about steakhouse. So we will catch a steakhouse. We're thinking about maybe catching a Vegas show. My wife is worried about what kind of show these guys might pick. Um, we haven't picked anything yet so and it horrifies me that your wife normally trusts me as the person with whom you can go to vegas because somehow i'm the good moral influence oh yeah my buddy josh yeah she's terrified of me going to vegas with josh and he's really mellowed with old age but yeah there there was a time in my life that uh if i was going to go hang out with my buddy josh it was a hold your breath and let's hope we all make it home kind of night like this 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 is a guy that in our youth was pretty hard charging but really um honestly we'll probably be better behaved than on our normal guys trips <laughs> so i'm really looking forward to this because i don't get to see these guys very often uh and so, and we're gonna we we're, right now we're planning to stay at the link i talked about that on a couple of episodes i think we may we may change that between now and march but i'm really looking forward to that i know you've got so, a slightly different trip with a slightly different audience planned um, i do but before we go back do i want to go back to something so if this is going to be his one like big vegas buffet ever which buffet do you go to so i'm actually i'm actually thinking about taking them to two because we'll, we'll be we'll be at the link and i think i would like and i, I just got to decide which for which i think i'd like to catch a brunch at one and dinner at one but but i think absolutely for me and i haven't done the palms yet you have yeah the on, palms is a great value on the strip i think the only three that are worth it i don't think mgm has a buffet that's worth the money to me they do right uh wicked well, spoon well they do now because yeah. yeah wicked spoon to cosmo which i guess that is mgm now and i hope they don't mess it up uh but we won't be on that end of the strip so w- the buck and all and uh the win i think with these guys if i only had to pick one just knowing these guys i think they would like the whole vibe at the buck and all um the wind may be a little too frou-frou for these particular guys. Uh, it's on the border of that for me. I mean, the wind buffet is a gorgeous space. Uh, but it's some- And you've always had good experiences there, right? Yeah. I mean, I have never, never regretted my decisions before walking into the wind buffet. And again, we're never telling that story. But You've got yeah, all your kidneys. It's the, fine. But the, the, wind, the wind is phenomenal. And I go back and forth about whether the win or the buck and all is the best. And I think I think it's it's not one, two, three. It's one A, one B, one C. They're all three excellent. I think Wicked Spoon is safely one C in my mind. And I will happily eat there anytime, even if somebody talks my wife into hitting me in the junk. Um She got a free buffet yeah, out of she it. Did. It was fine. Uh but I go back and forth about which one I like better, the win or the buck and all. They both just do some amazing things but i think i gravitate toward just the history of it if i'm going with people that have never buffeted in vegas 
every now and then when you're at the buck and all, you get to talking to some staff person that's been there since the 70s. I, I think it's got to be that if it's just one. Okay, no, I think I think that is absolutely a fair judgment. Like, I want to argue with you, but I've actually got the same thing, right? Like a weird tie between the Bacchanal and the Wynn with, um, with the Wicked Spoon as a fully acceptable alternative to those. So, before we get into my trip, at some point, so I'm going with a different group of guys than you are, but at some point we're probably going to overlap for the steak meal. And one of the things I want to talk about is something I thought was weird because we've been wanting to try the Golden Steer for the longest time, we tried to book reservations there almost two months in advance, and there was literally no availability at any point during the month of March, right? Like, I thought that was At super least not weird. for a party our size. And I didn't run for smaller parties, and they might. But I think that says something about the quality of the food. We haven't been there yet, neither of us. We've been, between the two of us, we've been to a lot of Vegas steakhouses. And um, Vegas has phenomenal steakhouses. And, and, and like, even my least favorite Vegas steakhouse that I've tried so far would be the best steakhouse in a five hour drive, hands down, if it moved here. Oh, good. So, yeah. like, a bad steakhouse in Vegas is probably better than every steakhouse uh, in, in a close radius to your house, listeners, and with a few exceptions of places you might be. By the way, and I live in Texas, we do beef well out here. Thank you very much. We have Perini Ranch two hours away in Buffalo Gap. Phenomenal food. I don't think it cracks the top 10 in Vegas, right? I don't, I don't think it does, although I do enjoy the ambiance at places like yeah, Perini Ranch. Yeah, oh, I do too. But and Golden, also, sometimes yeah. I can get my aunt and uncle to buy me dinner at Perini Ranch, and anytime I get to visit with them and have them pay for dinner, you know what? That's just a better deal. Than yeah, I agree. Say, yeah. But yeah. Do, do they want to adopt? I'll, I'll go. <laughs> I will um, have you with me next time we go out there. So... On our trip, um, I'm meeting a couple of buddies of mine, and we make fun of it at the start of the show about the baller on a budget versus the leader in the luxury lounge sort of thing. But this is this is going to be my 50th birthday trip, not on the birthday, but near enough to it. So um, I'm going with a couple of buddies of mine, and we're probably going to spend one or two nights in the Fountain Blue. And listeners, we promise you we will do a whole episode just on what that trip is like. And I'll probably spend a night down at the Mirage to see what that is like. We're certainly going to eat a steakhouse meal, and if we can't get to the Golden Steer, I don't know that I don't go back to Carver Steak at Resorts World. Like I really, I, I did a video of that on the YouTube channel. Mm. It was really, really good. You haven't been to Carver Steak, no, have you? That's one that's on my list. Uh, I, I definitely want to check that out. Both of the steakhouses have found. I mean, they look expensive, but they both look really good to me. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to try those. Uh, Smith and Wolanski. Would you at, be willing to give... So if I do the trip to the Mirage again, would you be willing to give Heritage Steak a second try? Yes. All right, because it's been like five years Well, now. and there's a new owner now. Okay, fair. Yeah, like Tom, so Tom Colicchio is out, yeah. Huh, I did not know. Yeah, he's out. All right, so if Tom Colicchio is out, then we almost have to do Heritage Steak for that. For that. Right, and I think the plan for the conversion to Hard Rock is they plan to keep that steakhouse is part of well because it's such a cool ambiance and i do enjoy the wood fire grill and every meal i've had there has been exceptional yeah right? and and i like i you know quality control is an issue for the best of restaurants uh, my steak there should not have come out of the kitchen but but that it, it, you know every now and then and i i got mad and i stewed about it for years but you know i didn't send it back i didn't talk to the manager i paid my bill i still tip nicely oh. it wasn't the waiter's fault but I, yeah. 
And I just had a thought, and we may close with this before we go to our outro. So my very first trip to Heritage Steak in the Mirage was with my buddy Ryan. Ryan, I hope you're listening to this. Ryan is probably going to be with me on that March trip. And Ryan, you need to redeem your performance at that place. You know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I think your ban has probably expired at this point. Yeah. And I will say, too, uh, I'm actively thinking of our schedules don't and i by the way for this trip i was also thinking about peter luger if we want to go big uh because that's now open at caesars and that is not going to be budget it is definitely baller it ain't going to be budget uh but if we don't connect uh I, i was thinking about hauling my crew and by the way i'm not a bad friend i booked my trip with the guys i booked when Bill didn't think he yeah. was going. I didn't think I was going because yeah. I've got an international trip planned. The short version, I've got a kid who's a high school senior. We've been spending a metric ton of money on college tours, including one to Ireland. And, and I, on a future episode, probably a couple of episodes from now, we're going to be talking about the Irish pubs in Vegas versus the Irish pubs in Ireland because it turns out they are all over. Yeah, and, I, and, yeah, and I'm looking forward to your review. Uh, but yeah, I didn't ditch my friend. It just, I didn't think he would be in Vegas for that particular thing. And now we're traveling with two very different sets of dudes. And I think catching a meal together is a good thing. I'm not sure the groups we're taking will mix. Well, there probably wouldn't be a huge amount of overlap. Yeah. I I think, I think that I think you and I are going to have very different trips, but I hope we get everybody together for a meal. I think that'd be epic, but we could never have as different a trip as my brother-in-law would have had when he went with us. God rest his soul. And my buddy, my buddy, Josh absolutely loved hanging out with Mark. I mean, those two guys, it's like they'd known each other their whole life. By the way, one thing I forgot to mention, I think we're going to go catch postcards from earth at the sphere while we're there. My buddy, Josh is a film buff. So, uh, did a little, uh, independent movie directing in his youth. Didn't, didn't go very far, but it did give him an appreciation for the cinema. So I think we're going to go check out postcards from earth and get into the sphere. And if we do that, I will definitely pass along my thoughts to our listeners there. Please do. And we'll probably talk about this five more times before we go, but that's enough of us going back and forth today. We thank you so much for listening. We'll be posting another episode here in a couple of weeks, but until then, Bill, where can they go online to get their fix of Dine Drink Travel? You can find us on YouTube at Dine Drink Vegas and at Dine Drink Travel, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter slash X, Facebook, and I think threads at Dine Drink Travel. And I can be found on Twitter, X, whatever we're calling it this week, as at Dine Drink John and I would love to talk to you and if we're big enough now to have trolls come at me bro come at me (laughs) to everybody else thank you for listening if you enjoy what you hear share it with a Vegas loving friend and safe and happy travels I almost missed the line